When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Hokie Nation? Welcome to your Monday edition of TSL Today. I'm Giovanni Heater, joined alongside Nick Brown with you. And we come to you from afar. Nick's still in Blacksburg, but I'm all the way up in Syracuse, New York. So it's an all-audio, uh, long-distance TSL Today. Nick, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. I'm excited. Uh, if you would have told me that we'd be talking about a football win and a basketball loss uh, to Charleston, uh, College of Charleston more specifically, I would be a very surprised if you told me that a week ago, but I'm excited to get ready. This is a this is a big weekend. Absolutely. So that's our kind of tale of the tape for today. So we're going to talk uh, football to get things going, go in the order that it occurred, uh, and then we'll dive into basketball. And maybe at the end, even touch on a little bit of women's basketball because they have a huge week coming up in the Bahamas. All right, well, Virginia Tech football goes on the road, wins in Lynchburg over the Liberty Flames final score, 23-22. to The Hokies advance to 3-8 and eight on the season. Liberty drops to 8-3 and three on the year. That marks two losses in a row for the Flames. Virginia Tech had not won since September when they took down Wofford uh, at home inside Lane Stadium. Nick, this marks their first road victory of the season. Yeah, first road win for Brent Pry as well. Uh, this was it was a good game, uh, and it was really, you know, if Virginia Tech doesn't end up playing UVA, there's still no news, by the way, on that. So, uh, and we may find out later today. I would think we'd find out today confirmation or um, cancellation, uh, whether that game will be played or not. So, either way, if this ends up being the last game of the season, that's great to send the seniors off with a win over an in-state team that beat uh, a lot of these sen- that beat these seniors two years ago in 2020. Uh, right. I thought, it was, you know, one of the more complete games for the team. I thought the defense played fantastic. Grant Wells was a game manager. I thought uh, I know people were really criticizing him for holding on to the ball a little bit too long sometimes, but didn't throw an interception, uh, moved the ball down the field, made some accurate passes. Uh, Jalen Holston and Keyshawn King, though, were phenomenal. Uh, they combined for over 170 yards themselves. Uh, and then Holston, of course, 99 yards and three touchdowns. And he was one yard away from having four touchdowns and 100 yards. Uh, but really, uh, really impressed by him and his self-control to not score that touchdown, to hold on to the win. Uh, I know he touched on that uh, later in the postgame. Uh, but that that really shows how much of a team player he is uh, and how you know senior laden he is in his head, not to be selfish to, oh, if I get this, I'll have my fourth touchdown and go in the record book. Um, but instead just to lay down and get that win, knowing that that's more important than individual stats. Grant Wells goes 14 for 20, 148 yards. Uh, so really it was the rushing attack for Virginia Tech that told the story. Holston, a yard shy of 100 with 99, three touchdowns like you mentioned. King had 78. The team rushed for 176 yards, only passed for 148. One guy, though, that impressed me, and he only caught two balls, but both of them were uh, – I should say yards after the catch were very apparent, which is something we hadn't seen out of them all season long. And that was Nick Gallo, the tight end. And then uh, Daquan Wright was the second leading receiver 
Uh, so you had your two tight ends as your leading receivers up at the top. Yeah, I thought they looked great. I it, Liberty's defense, you know, they came in touting a really good defense. Uh, and I know Chris Coleman was, you know, made them sound like the, the 80s Bears defense or the Iron Curtain from the Steelers. <laughs> I mean, he hyped them up to be this fantastic defense. And they were good, I guess. Um, but, you know, you look at the competition they've kind of played this season. Uh, they haven't really beaten a lot of teams that are over 500. Um, but I was looking and, you know, Nick Gallo on one of them, I think on the 35-yard pass, you know, he was just in the flats five yards downfield, and there literally was not a person within 20 yards of him. Everybody else was on the left side of the field, and he was wide open on the right side of the field. And, you know, easy pass from Wells to him, and he just rumbles down the field for 30 yards. So I thought that was, you know, there's a lot of busted coverages there, especially by the uh, tight ends. Um, Daquan Wright's a walking first down. I mean, he's unbelievable. Uh, 32 yards on that one uh, and secured the ball. It was, I had a little deja vu from the Miami game where the guy came up and tried to punch it out from him on his 30. Uh, right. Catch. But he tucked that thing away nicely and uh, cradled that thing uh, and held on to it for dear life. So obviously I think Daquan Wright's going to be really good. I think the best part about this Virginia Tech team, yes, they're three and eight, but the best players on the team besides Keyshawn King and, and Jalen Holston, are young, really young. Yeah, They're going to be around for a 100%. while. And if you don't even like Grant Wells, if you're not a fan of uh, of quarterback number six, he's still, you know, redshirt sophomore, still plenty of time to develop. He's got a whole offseason ahead of him that he can develop. Uh, and people forget about this. Yes, he has – it says here he has only four net yardage because he lost 64 yards. Those losses are all sacks. I – I really like in the NFL how that kind of goes down as passing yards uh, instead of rushing because he ran the ball for 68 yards and picked up some huge first downs uh, and some busted, uh, you know, pass rushes. He juked out some guys and made some great plays. So uh, I want to give him credit on the ground there. Uh, people are going to just look at the stats, but oh, you only had four rushing yards because all those sacks. But I thought he, uh, he made some big first downs when needed to and used his legs beautifully. Um, so I think he will develop to be pretty good uh, later. Uh, in his career, but yeah, man, Daquan Wright uh, and the rest of the gang, they looked, uh, like I said, this was one of the more complete offensive games. Didn't score just one or two touchdowns in one quarter. And they spread it out three touchdowns in three different quarters. Well, two touchdowns in three quarters, I guess, but still. <laughs> and John Love looked uh, impressive as well, kicking the football when they needed him to. Uh, I will say <clears throat> calling the game, I was kind of on that train where I thought there were a handful of times Grant Wells could have been making better decisions. Whether you throw the football away, uh, there were a couple times where I felt like he took sacks that he just did not need to take. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, that's that's part of it. That's part of being a young quarterback. There's no doubt about that. And there were a couple times where the defense was right in his face before he could blink. Uh, one thing, and this is a shout-out to Chris Coleman uh, for tweeting this out, that it caught my eye, and uh, just a – Really, really impressive statistic here. Liberty targeted Mansoor Delane, the uh, true freshman cornerback, six times yesterday. Uh, well, I guess this was tweeted uh, yesterday, so uh, that being on Saturday. Targeted Mansoor Delane six times Saturday. They completed one pass for a total of negative one yards. I mean, have yourself a day, Mansoor Delane. Yeah, and he was pivotal on one of those forced fumbles, the one that really sprung Virginia Tech <clears throat> to take the lead. Uh, 23 to 22 in the fourth quarter. Um, I'm going to back up Chris Coleman's uh, rhetoric here and bring out the Brinks trucks for Mansoor. That dude deserves the biggest NIL bag on this team. Yeah. 
want him to stay around. And I, I know he loves Virginia Tech and everything, but there are big dogs out there that are keeping his eye and then keeping an eye out on his brother as well, who has interest from Alabama and Ohio State already as a, uh, I want to say he's a sophomore and junior in high school. I think he's a sophomore, so he's still pretty young. Um, but uh, yeah, back up the Brinks Trumps for the, the Lane brothers and uh, keep them around. I know the dad really likes it. What? The dad posted a video of uh, Mansoor's hit. Uh, I know Garbett got the um, the fumble, or was it Griffin? Someone got the forced fumble, and he was there and almost scooped it up. But uh, his dad posted that video online, and he was illegally streaming it. Sorry, didn't mean to out uh, Mr. Delane there, but there's no reason why Mr. Delane should be illegally streaming. I thought someone should have been paying his ESPN Plus for subscription, but hey, that's just me. Um, but uh, anyways, yeah, so... I want to back that rhetoric up, keep him around because he is unbelievable. Uh, and I saw, I think Oxy T tw- uh, tweeted out that he could be the rebirth of DBU. And, uh, yeah. and I could see that. And then next year, I don't, I don't think there's any way that he's going to leave. If he, I don't want to say if he leaves, I don't think he's leaving next year. Uh, he'll be here next year, but we'll have Dorian strong back. Uh, so Dorian strong and Mansoor Delane. That's pretty locked down corners right there, especially Dorian going to be entering his junior or senior year, and he got a red shirt. Like this, this defense is going to be pretty good next year. So, uh, especially with those two corners. So, uh, yeah, like I said, back up the brinks for uh, Mister Twenty Three. Very, very interesting tweet that has just surfaced uh, from Mike Barber, um, who writes for uh, I believe it is the Roanoke Times. Yes, it is ACC or no, the Richmond Times. I apologize. Um, and Mike Barber just tweeted, from everyone I've talked to last night and this morning, moving the UVA-Virginia Tech game to December 3rd is a very real possibility. Uh, so we will keep our eyes open, obviously, for the rest of the day. Follow along on the TSL Twitter and everything. You know that news will, will be all over the place. Um, the other possibility is that, you know, if, if Virginia does not want to play, I also heard stirrings of possibly finding a, a different opponent to get one more game inside Blaine stadium. Uh, you have to remember the amount of, and you hate to say this, uh, but you have to remember the amount of money that is at stake for the university oh, yeah. as well for not playing a final home game. Yeah. Um, so I think even if UVA didn't play, it's a strong possibility that tech would do pretty much anything they could to try and schedule a different team. Yeah. And it could be like a group of five with five wins searching for bowl eligibility um, or someone just desperate to find a win. But uh, I mean, I was here, obviously uh, lived in Blacksburg my entire life and I think I've missed three or four home games in my lifetime Uh, and one of those games I attended was the Marshall game that got added on to the 2018 season when Virginia five and six after UVA Um, obviously that wasn't for money purposes that was purely to get bowl eligible after ECU had canceled earlier in the season due to a hurricane Um, but yeah that game was weird Uh, I remember it was really foggy uh, and it was the stadium. It kind of felt like a spring game atmosphere. Uh, but I thought it was really cool because it was general admission tickets. You get, you paid $10 yeah. to get in. And I sat right at the 50 yard line with my parents. Uh, you know, there we're you not, go. we're not platinum or gold Hokies. We're, you know, we're up, we're good donors, but we're not platinum or gold. So it was cool <laughs> to watch a real game, not just a spring game at the 50 yard line, about five rows up. Um, so that might be what happens if the UVA game doesn't happen. Um, but if it does happen, it will, like uh, like you said, Mike Barber tweeting it out. Both of these teams aren't making the ACC championship game. It really has no impact on the Coastal at all. If Virginia Tech wins or UVA wins, that's not going to shake up 
the landscape of UNC going to the coastal I mean, winning the coastal. Um, so I wouldn't mind that. It'd be the same day as the AC championship game. Um, so obviously That's true. It, it, would would, not, right? it, it would not get any viewership at all. Um, also Navy army Navy games that day, I think as well. So that, uh, that would, you know, I like the army Navy game. So I'd miss that, but, um, but yeah, so if that does move, that's a good possibility too. And I, I kind of like that. It gets the seniors. You still get to play UVA. It gives the players to get to go back to Thanksgiving uh, and a little more time to heal um, and come together a little bit more, uh, obviously, over this terrible tragedy. Tragedy. Well, luckily, you would not miss the Army-Navy game. They're playing that on December 10th. So they're doing that's the conference right. championship right. week, and then that's the in-between week where Army-Navy is literally like the only football game on. Um, but let's flip the script here and, and, and talk basketball. Obviously a great win for Virginia Tech football. Uh, you love to see it. And one last touch on it. it. It really was beautiful. They were able to shout out to the equipment staff for putting together those orange uniforms. You got to remember those things. I mean, they didn't have names on the back, obviously, because that would have just been impossible in the short amount of time. But they had to make sure that they had, um, you know, enough jerseys for the proper numbers um, yeah. and and everything. That was not – part of the plan to wear those at all this year. Um, so yeah. shout out to the equipment staff to making that happen. That also kind of sticks it to Brett Pry, who didn't want to wear orange at all. This year. I, they're my favorite uniforms, so I'm like, glad they wore them. And, and this, <laughs> this win right here proves that the orange jerseys are not cursed. Virginia Tech is now two and one in the all orange jerseys. The one loss, yeah, they got demolished by UVA in the 80s. And that kind of, that was the reason why there's always this mysteria uh, around uh, the orange jerseys, but Virginia Tech two and zero in the last two years. Uh, yeah, big wins. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, two and zero in the first round. Two and zero in the uh, what can we even say? The BCS, the College Football Playoff era. Well, and it's when they wore all orange against UVA, they had maroon helmets. So in this combo with the white, orange, orange, undefeated, undefeated. Wear those yeah. more. <laughs> I, I, they're my favorite look, I will say. All right, let's talk some basketball here. Just a heartbreaker last night, man. 77-75, the final score. You, as painful as it is a little bit, you just got to tip your hat to the College of Charleston. Uh, I mean, they had a fantastic home atmosphere. Uh, that that arena, TD Arena, was absolutely rocking. Uh, that powered that team to a win, and, and they made the big plays down the stretch that they needed to. The crazy thing is, Tech was making plays. Hunter Couture uh, in the last about minute of the game was huge. Sean Padula had a really nice post move. And I was, how is he making moves like a center right now with a nice jump hook? Um, they were making plays down the stretch. And just Charleston ended up making that last play. And they held the ball until there was only three seconds left. And there's not much you can do in three seconds besides uh, send up a half-court shot that, by the way, almost went in. And you put the ball in the right guy's hands to do it. But uh, – you know, you got to tip your hat to, to College of Charleston a little bit there. Um, one thing, Nick, that uh, I wanted to get your opinion on, because I, I know you were watching big time with a close eye. You want to say it's excellent coaching. And so in, in that regards, you can, in a way, tip your cap to the College of Charleston. But how does Poteet get tagged up on a guard at the top of the key for them to run that final play where Mutz has to come and help? I mean, that was the game win. Yeah, so – I don't, so he held on to the ball. There was 25 seconds when they called the timeout. So Poteet, there was time for a switch there. Exactly. Poteet got switched on a screen. Really good play design. But my thing is, that dude didn't move from the half-court spot for 15 seconds. Right. Or even 20 seconds before he drove in. 
So there was plenty of time. He wasn't going to drive if Poteet and Padula were like, hey, come switch real quick. He wasn't going to move. So that's uh, – and even if they did, then you he could – you know, he might freak out and think it's a double team and then pass out to the wide open guy and maybe they shoot a shot that they didn't want earlier in the game clock. But Wouldn't I don't you rather him shoot a three at that point, though? I don't know. Uh, it's it, – what? well, I mean, like I've been saying – They got a layup pretty death, much. Death taxes and some random dude going off against the Hokies. Uh, there's um, – their European uh, center who's six foot ten. I'm going to try to say his name, Brozvic or whatever, from Croatia. I uh, had hit only four threes all season, and he goes three of five against the Hokies yesterday. And he was splashing all three of those home. I mean, it was, you know, not even touching the net, all right, the rim. So, uh, you know, it's it just is what it is. Uh, I thought they did a really good job all around. Um, you know, their play designs were good. They were getting good looks left and right. I thought the Hokies defense was kind of lost in the sauce a little bit uh, throughout the game. Uh, Ryan Larson, their point guard transfer from Wofford, played for Mike Young his freshman year. Uh, I know David Cunningham tweeted out and said he looks just like Storm Murphy out there, and he played like it, and he was probing the defense really well. Um, facil- Probably who he learned from. Facilitating the ball. Yeah, played with him for two years. Um, so that was – it was frustrating to see that, but you know, like you said, tip the cap and it was an awesome environment. I mean, that's probably the biggest win and one of the biggest wins in college of Charleston history. You know, they finally get the win in the tournament that they host every year. <laughs> right. So I know that's happy. And the tech fans, you know, be like, Oh, it's just a crap mid major. No, no, this team is good. College of Charleston kept it. Uh, and they were actually beating UNC at UNC two weeks ago at, you know, on their, uh, in the Dean dome, uh, UNC just pulled away late in the last five minutes to win by 16, but that game was close for the first 35 minutes of that game. So this team is legit. They destroyed a Colorado state team. That was really good. I thought Virginia tech was going to have to play the Rams in the championship game. Um, and they annihilated a Davidson team too, that really caught everybody's attention at first. Uh, and Davidson's a good mid-major as well. So this team is not bad. I think they, they're they definitely the favorites now to win the CAA. Um, so if this ends up being a tournament team, that's not a bad loss for the Hokies. At worst, I think this is going to be a quad – or it may be a quad three if they you know implode at the end of the year. But right now, it'll just probably end up being a quad two loss. At, on the road, not terrible at all. You lose by two. They have their best shooting night. Virginia Tech didn't play well at all uh, in the first half. I'm going to say it. I don't think the refs were very good. I thought they were, I mean, I thought there was bad calls all around, but there was a lot of contact on some plays that I was like, what is happening? Uh, And then there is a layup by Darius Maddox where he gets called for a charge when both guys are in the air, both equal amount of contact, and he gets called for the charge. I was like, whatever. So uh, I don't know. I think there was a lot of things going against the Hokies. I thought they still ended up playing pretty well offensively in the second half. Uh, but College of Charleston, man, I think they hit their last five shots. They just, I don't know, some things are just magical. And that's going to be, you know, probably the best memory for every kid attending College of Charleston right now. So, I don't know. I'm happy for the Cougars, and it could be a lot worse. Virginia Tech could have lost by 10 or 13, which they were down in the first half by. Uh, so they fought back, had the lead, could have won. But at the end of the day, like you said, just tip your cap to the Charleston Cougars and put your head down and 
face another team from Charleston later this Friday. Yeah, Tech will be okay. Tech will be okay. It's it's a very disappointing loss, but but they'll be all right. Uh, the one thing that was <clears throat> impressive and and makes you feel a little more comfortable is the scoring was incredibly spread out. Bazili yeah. dropped twelve. Mutz dropped 16 and, and had nine rebounds, by the way, which is very close to a double-double. Mutz is pretty much a double-double machine so far this year. Uh, Padula dropped 17. Uh, Darius Maddox dropped eight. Um, and then MJ Collins uh, dropped five. So 75 points and all of your starters, nearly all of your starters were in double figures. That's a, that's a good place to be. Yeah, Darius Maddox also sat out a lot because of fouls. You know, he had four fouls. And he was, I think he picked up his third early in the second half. So I thought Virginia Tech did a really good job of passing the ball around. Three-point shooting, a little bit of concern, I'm not going to lie. The last two games have been really rough. Uh, I forget, I think they were uh, three of 18 or 19 against um, Penn State. And then six of 27 against College of Charleston. Uh, That's a little, you know, you combine that, what, that's nine of... 46 and that's not the best shooting at all Darius Maddox missed two wide wide open threes in the game uh that concerned me Bazilli missed a couple open threes um but you know at the end of the day Virginia Tech fought and they got to the championship game they picked up a a big win uh I don't know how good Penn State will be we'll see later on in the year but that's a win over a power five team on a neutral court that's a decent win um and then you you beat ODU Woohoo, but you still beat them. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you're five and one. You've got, you know, a warm up game, a tune up game against Charleston Southern. Then you get, you know, a basement Big Ten team in Minnesota the following Monday. They come into Blacksburg. You have the home court, feel good, home cooking. And then you have two tough, big dogs. The big dogs come to town UNC on Sunday and then Dayton on Wednesday. And by the way, Dayton is probably the second best mid major. Without Gonzaga, San Diego State's the best, but then it's Dayton. Dayton's really good again this year. A really good center that tore up the Hokies last year as well. So if you win one of those games, I think, and you keep it close in the other, uh, and you take care of business against Charleston Southern on Friday and then beat Minnesota, Virginia Tech might be ranked still. You know, I'm just saying. So that 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 will be the first true test for the Hokies. Uh, I'm really excited for those games just to see how good this team can be. And Rodney Rice? Target date yes. coming back, Charleston Southern. So we'll see how he fits into the rotation. We'll see what happens there. Uh, one thing, though, that that does make you feel a little more comfortable is the fact that typically in the non-conference, you just kind of smoke people, um, at least historically. And now non-conference is getting more interesting, more competitive. You're scheduling better teams. You're playing in these tournaments. Uh, non-conference has kind of changed across the landscape of college basketball. You're also playing ACC games sooner now as of a couple of years ago, where you schedule a UNC um, pretty much, I mean, it's it's in the last, I'd say, fourth of your non-conference games, but you're scheduling UNC um, on the fourth, and then, uh, again, you open things up for real, for real, uh, against Boston College uh, a couple of weeks later. Um, so between those, it's good that Tech has some close games under their belt. They're finding how to win and lose those close games, and that's going to help tremendously uh, when once you get into ACC play and once you get into the, some of these tougher non-con games uh, against Dayton and, and Oklahoma State um, and Minnesota. Um, so 75-71, they beat ODU. They beat uh, Penn State 61-59. 
and they beat College of Charleston 77 to 75. So if you said all three games in Charleston were going to be three pos- or uh, two possession or less games and they were going to win uh, two out of those three, you know, you'd take that. And that, that's just good experience under your belt for this team to know how to close a game out down the stretch. It's already a better win percentage than last year's teams in close games. Uh, Virginia Tech uh, kind of folded in the last 10 minutes of games last year, um, in the last five minutes more specifically. Virginia Tech, you know, they closed out games. You know, they let the teams kind of come back a little bit, but they found ways to win. Uh, I know College of Charleston pulled out the win, but Virginia Tech battled back. They were down 13 in the first half. People forget about that. They were down eight in the second half, and they came back. They had an awesome 9-0 run when they were down six to go up three. That included MJ Collins' dunk, which is probably the biggest dunk of the season um, so far. Got the and one, then boom, back-to-back threes. Uh, that was a really good moment. Virginia Tech looked like they found their groove there. Um, I want to shout out Justin Mutz. Almost finished one of the biggest dunks I'd ever seen. MJ Collins lobbed in the ball, just couldn't bring it down. Uh, that was there was a lot of also a lot of misplays like that. You know, if MJ throws that pass a little lower, Mutz is going to slam that down with ease. There's a lot of open threes missed. You know, the shots weren't hitting well uh, in the College of Charleston in the Shriners Children's uh, Charleston Classic at all, really. So. I think Virginia Tech, they came out 2-1, and one, shooting very poorly all weekend long. I think it's still a win for the, you know. And if you had said to Tech fans, hey, they're going to win two games and then lose in the championship, you don't tell them who the opponent is, obviously. But if you said that, Virginia Tech fans would be like, cool, successful, good weekend. Right. Not <laughs> that we lost, but hey, it is what it is. Um, you know, you still get two wins. Virginia Tech is still 5-1. and one. Everybody, like, you expect Virginia Tech not to be – undefeated you know it felt like virginia tech was not going to lose a game this year but you know it's basketball <laughs> anything can happen so uh, and especially to a team that's going to make the tournament most likely uh their uh, conference i'm not overly concerned at all and i don't think tech fans should be either don't don't jinx the uh orange uniforms at all tech fans uh those are the championship orange uh so uh, I think they're going to continue. Ever since now, the ACC championship, they wore the orange to win them. They literally were tweeting yesterday, championship orange in Charleston. Uh, so I, let's let's let those best looking jerseys. In, those. those are nice. Yeah, yeah. best no looking jerseys uh, besides the white script for the women's team. I think that's still the best jersey in all sports for Virginia Tech. But that orange script is really nice. Side note, women's basketball has the best uniforms in Virginia Tech athletics. At least up till this year, the men have kind of caught up and, and up their game on the uh, men's basketball uniform side of things. But my favorite is the uh, the women, and I don't know if they're even going to wear them ever again, but they, they were wearing them last year. The all-white with the white VT, just those basically outlined in maroon, those were so good. They were clean. They were clean. But I do like the new whites, and I love their scripts. Their throwbacks to the 80s are, are beautiful. A hundred percent. All right. We got about two minutes left here on the show. So let's just quickly uh, give a little bit of a, a conversation to the women's basketball team here. They have not been in action since Monday, November 14th. Now they are in the Bahamas. So you get pretty much an eight day, uh, roughly, no, you get a, you get a week off, a week off essentially. And now they're in the Bahamas for travel. Um, they're playing Kentucky uh, at noon today. And then on Wednesday, they will play Missouri in the Bahamas at one thirty. Um, and then we will kind of see how everything plays out from there. But the women's hoops with some uh, big games coming up down the stretch here, and then they're going to play uh, Nebraska at home on December 1st. Yeah, Kentucky's undefeated. They've blown out their last three opponents, only beat Radford, shout out to the Highlanders, by four uh, in their first game of the year. But this is the reigning SEC champs. You know, you don't get to say that very much. 
unless you're right. playing typically South Carolina. But this Kentucky team beat South Carolina last year in the championship game. So this team is not a team to bat your eye at. And then Missouri, 5-0 and as well. They're beating their teams not as handily, but they're still 5-0. and So these are two uh, teams that you can – that you can beat. Missouri will play uh, Wake Forest at 5.30 today. But if Virginia Tech comes out 2-0 and out of this week, they're going to be in the top 10 because, by the way, Tennessee is not looking good, by the way, right now. They have lost uh, their last two games. Uh, the Volunteers, the Lady Vols, um, Virginia Tech gets to travel down there. So Virginia Tech comes out 2-0 and here. Then they get Longwood, get Nebraska at home, who's ranked. Still, eh. And then you go at to Tennessee. You... Man, if you go five and zero here, Virginia Tech might be sitting five, like top five. I mean, this is a team that's really, really good. No doubt about it. All right, Hokey fans, buckle up. Uh, basketball season is only beginning. We're still have a big question mark as far as the finish of the football season. But regardless, it is always, as always, a great time uh, to be a Hokey. So uh, enjoy uh, your Thanksgiving holiday. Um, enjoy your families, and uh, we'll see you back. After that, Virginia Tech women's basketball in action the next couple of days. You can find that on Flow Hoops. Men's basketball team back in action before we know it, trying to shake off the rust. They'll play another Charleston team uh, on Friday after Thanksgiving at Castle Coliseum. And again, with football, uh, we don't really know how that thing is going to finish off. But that concludes our show today. This was TSL Today, Monday, November 21st, 2022. Uh, From Syracuse, I'm Giovanni Heater, Nick Brown, all the way down in Blacksburg. We'll see you next time. Go Hokies.